Fort Worth, and welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. If you are new here, the Freedom Review exists to inform and educate the Fort Worth and Tarrant County community about the values and the functions of civic engagement, the goings-on of the local city council, the mayor, the county commissioner's court, as well as important news stories from our community and from the greater Texas community, including state political issues. My name is Anthony Sosa, and today we have Amber O'Dell, Thomas Moore, and Christy Beamer here to discuss local issues regarding the Fort Worth Police Department. This episode ran a little long, so we had to break it up into two parts. This is part two of two, and in part one, Amber covered the Bowman and Del Carmen Expert Police Panel Report. This report was pretty thorough and dense and details many of the issues with the current state of the department and lays a great foundation for the conversations to come here in part two. In this part, part two, Christy breaks down the Sunset Commission for us, its role, and its report on the Fort Worth Police Department and opportunities for growth. Thomas will discuss some of the findings from No Sleep Till Justice's Freedom of Information Act request regarding Fort Worth PD incidents. And finally, I will present some recent news regarding Fort Worth Police Department and Keller PD. All of the resources used for this episode will be provided below in the show notes. As always, Please subscribe and sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues. We are currently a volunteer organization. If you would like to get involved or want to contact us, you can reach us at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fwreview and on Facebook at Fort Worth Freedom Review. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. If you wish to support us or this podcast, please go to justicereformleague.org and click the donate button. Thank you, Amber. Who is covering the next segment? Uh, that's me. I got right. the, the Sunset Commission. Ooh, I'm excited situation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, so for those who are not familiar, I was not before I saw this report. Um, the Sunset Commission is basically a legislative oversight tool um, that uh, significantly streamlines and improves Texas government. Um, by analyzing different sects of the government um, and then providing recommendations or shutting it down and moving essential services to other parts of the government. Um, so they, they do their evaluation. They de determine um, if the agencies and programs are still relevant uh, in a changing world. Um, and then they make them more effective and efficient, or they make them uh, disband, basically, and, and slim down. Um, so they do this with a bunch of different, bunch of different, you know, agencies, all different categories. Um, but they just in November uh, they published one on the Texas Commission on Law Enforcement which is the state's uh, only, like, enforcement regulation. 
Um, and yeah, so that's the background. Does anybody have any questions about that? No. Okay, what is, perfect. What did they find? Hmm? What, did, what, what did they find? What did the Sunset Commission find about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm about <laughs> to get into the report. I just wanted to make sure I explained it well. Um, okay, so so the the report, the first sentence of it is, Texas' approach to law enforcement regulation no longer meets the needs of the state. Shocker. Wow. Yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so their introduction, um, kind of talks about how, uh, TCOL, which is, a, you know, the Commission on Law Enforcement, um, they set minimum licensing and training standards for law enforcement personnel, um, and enforces compliance with them, but they're viewed by the public as having way more power than they actually do and doing much more than they actually do. Um, the 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 report calls it a fragmented outdated system with poor accountability lack of statewide standards and inadequate training base and, yeah and while texas has a continuing need to regulate law enforcement the state's current regulation is by and large toothless um yeah. so essentially they they talk about how um this bifurcated regulatory model I could not find a definition for that whole phrase, um, but bifurcated is just referring to to the the distinction between uh, what TCOL is able to do statewide, and then um, and then how local agencies are mostly independent as long as they meet those um, those minimum requirements. So, yeah. Yeah, by and large toothless. So that's the introduction, um, and the they recommend several things to to work on this. Um, let's see, oh yeah, and because that's what I was saying, because of the um, of the nature of the commission versus local agencies, um, local agencies have a lot of freedom to do whatever they want with no or to, to set their own standards, basically. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the only time that TCOL um, has the authority to enforce standards, um, or they, they have the authority to enforce the minimum standards that they do, uh, but the only time that they have the authority to um, implement any kind of, like, um, what's the term? Like, across-the-board protocols. Yeah, reg regulations or something, yeah. Yeah, and um, and like punishment for like mm. if if somebody mm. does wrong is only mm. with um, if the local agencies have already like for example if a if a an officer does something wrong like T Cole can only do something about it if um, they've already been convicted for that. Okay. So, um, so local agencies have a lot of freedom. Of what they're going to, uh, you know, what kind gotcha. of accountability? So it's kind of like hold. if um, only if the the local PD like drops the ball, then does T yeah. get to come in and kind of take care of it? Okay. Well, no, they. No. That's the thing. They can't do it if the if the local agencies drop the ball because they can only okay. do it if if there's um, a criminal conviction. If there's of an already, a, 
exactly. Oh, Which not is, prior. As like, we all as a result. know, okay. like extremely difficult to achieve. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <Okay>. exactly. <laughs> um, so it's it's a very uh, inefficient and ineffective um, approach, according to this report. That's issue number one. Um, I think there are five okay. issues that they that they go over. Um, so it says that they uh, Texas lacks statewide standards of professional conduct for law enforcement personnel, relying instead on inconsistently set and enforced local standards. Uh, they're outdated. They don't meet the evolving needs of law enforcement personnel. Um, and uh, they recommend that uh, rather than attempting to repair a fundamentally broken system, a comprehensive look at how the state regulates law enforcement is needed to make is needed to make needed changes to best protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public, as well as law enforcement personnel. Um, they recommend a blue ribbon panel uh, being organized, uh, which is essentially just the the best and brightest of mm. the uh, experts on criminal justice and law enforcement um and and as well as like community members that are well known for their bipartisan approach to just looking at info and and fixing it are they are they recommending this at the state level or like every individual municipal or no, department doing it so this is it's pretty it's relevant to t coal Okay, um, okay. So they they did not get into any specific agencies, okay. um, like aside aside from the the statewide one. Okay. Um, yeah. So so the the first report that Amber went over um, is is the only or is is like you know more the local thing local and specifically this is, this for is us. Statewide. Okay. Um, and then this one is just letting people know that like while while people who are supportive of the police and um and you know are like well they they've got standards and and they're upheld to those like not really right because yeah. the statewide agency does not have the power to do that even okay. mm -hmm. um so they recommend a panel to further look into this because they're not pretending to be the experts on it um they're just analyzing the efficiency of tecal okay. Um, and then next topic, issue two, um, they see the contracts lack terms that would induce more efficient, effective performance, um, and they lack adequate processes for assessing the risk and need to outsource agency operations and regular contract training that could have precluded many of the problems identified. That ties directly into what Amber was talking about with hers. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. So we're not the only department in the state that's having that problem. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, it's every department in the state of Texas. Yeah. Because, because as this report is saying, like all of the standards and regulations are like completely outdated. Like I joke about us doing criminal justice, like it's 1985, but like at the state level, like we're really doing criminal justice, like it's 1955. Like mm. <laughs> I yeah. think they, like there was a big overhaul of like, Texas penal code in the 70s, I believe. Um, but there hasn't been a major over overhaul since, since then. then. Interesting. Right. Um, yeah, so that's uh, issue number two is mostly about um, efficiency and, and its IT services and just how the commission does not even do what it does very well. Um, issue three, uh, 
um, key elements of TCOL's statute and procedures do not conform to common licensing and regulatory standards. Um, so there are a lot of things that um, that the Sunset Commission recommends, um, such as, well, let me read this sentence first. Um, the commission also does not conduct risk-based audits, makes poor use of its data to guide decision-making, decision and has not developed penalty matrices to guide consistent disciplinary decisions. It doesn't uh, sound like they're doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what do they do? Yeah. Um, aligning TCOL's statutes and procedures with best practices would help streamline the agency's operations and improve its effectiveness to protect the public. Um, and they they suggest some things like um, conducting fingerprint fingerprint based criminal background checks of all licensure applicants and licensees. What a novel um, idea! <laughs> authorizing TCOL to issue subpoenas for investigative records. Oh, that so would be nice. Not even authorized for, to do that. That's that's toothless. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they, they want to direct TCOL to adopt rules to comply with the statutory requirement to establish a risk-based approach to audits. Um, and, and they want them to develop a penalty matrix, um, which I think that was another big part of our agenda over the summer, um, was like, you know, a lot of it was like, they, you know, we have the practices, theoretically, like we have the, the policies in place. But there's no penalty matrix mm. for when that's broken. You know, it's all well in the situation. The person was justified. Mm -hmm. and Was it legal or and, not? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's issue number three. Uh, number four. Um, let's see. It does not reflect some standard elements of sunset reviews. Um, so they they suggest uh, updating the standard across the board requirement related to commission member training. Um, authorize the commission to establish advisory committees and rule and direct the commission to adopt a policy to ensure each rule undergoes meaningful review pursuant to state law. Again, all of these things sound like they should already be happening, yeah. which is why this report is so necessary. Yeah, and I think a lot of like the general public like believes that these things are already happening because they like see it on like cop shows on TV, you know. Mm -hmm. But like not in Texas. <laughs> yeah. In in the intro, they say uh, the public presumes T. Cole is a fully capable professional licensing and regulatory agency, similar to the Texas Medical Board or Texas Pharmacy Board, with broad mm -hmm. authority to set high standards for individuals to receive and maintain a law enforcement license and to hold these licensees fully accountable. That's crazy. In reality, TCOL has relatively limited authority to set or enforce anything but minimum licensure standards, which are outdated and insufficient. Agreed. That's so, crazy. So yeah, people, people view it as this thing that is keeping us all safe and making sure that the police are doing their job, but they, they barely have any authority to, to do anything. It's just like a rubber stamp. Just like, okay, yeah. here you go. Yeah, what Texans expect from TCOL does not align with what the commission can accomplish, despite the staff's best efforts. Wow. Yeah, so it's a pretty, it's a four-page uh, report. It's pretty succinct. Um, it will also be posted uh, to the Justice Reform League website, actually is already, nice. um, mm -hmm. if y'all want to check it out. 
And yeah, it's pretty uh, depressing wow. overall. That's... I mean, we, we already knew this, but just seeing it. Yeah. Confirmed. Like, so clear is just oof. Yeah, yeah. This is important. I'm glad that we're talking about this because people definitely need to know this. Thank you. Christy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Thomas, what do you got for us? Okay, so my my other group, Nelsey Till Justice, last year, we did a crowdfunding campaign for a FOIA request, and we went and got a list of all the infractions of all the current officers. And it's pretty outstanding. Um, I have to look at my notes just to make sure I get this right. Guys, there might be think what anywhere between a thousand and twelve hundred officers in Fort Worth. There are three hundred and twenty two names on this on the on this document. Three hundred and twenty two officers, okay. Um and you know, there's one or two where it's like, oh, this person was late and they got disciplined. But there's a lot of frequent flyers who have like several incidences and several offenses. And it's not even like it's not even like small things. Like some of this is like untruthfulness. Some of this is excessive force. Um, for whatever reason, and uh, Amber helped me with this, but for whatever reason, there was a lot of sexual harassment going on in, for work PD. In having sex on the job, like <laughs> what job can you get caught like? having sex with somebody while you're on the clock and like keep your job so by the way if y'all if you're wondering as far as fort worth police police department training um they have a whole hour hour of sexual harassment training it makes it feel oh, better that's yeah. also six that should be enough that'll be good so, hey, Thomas, real quick, before we right. get before we get further into the details of this, what, yeah. do you mind explaining, like, what exactly you had to file the Freedom of Information Act for? Like, I guess, like, what were you looking for? And then they told you, okay, you got to file this, and then you did that. Like, what was that process like? So, initially, we were just looking for, like, uh, stuff to help implement policy, right? So, we got to figure out the actual data points before we can start making recommendations recommendations for change and everything and then it's like look we're gonna do this you know we need adequate info so we we had to jump through some hurdles um it it took this whole process took like i think three months because we did this in like late july early august and we didn't get back to like late october mm. um and uh we had to file it um in texas that's what i love um because if you file a FOIA request if they don't have like a really good reason they basically have to give the info um mm -hmm. and a lot of states uh they don't charge for this but in texas um you know the justification was well that's a lot of work we need to pay our government people that's a hundred percent a way to gate keep, keep people out of it you know by economic standards. So in Texas, uh, if it's deemed to be more than forty dollars worth of work, you have to pay for that. Um, they quoted us at like right around two thousand. So we raised the money, we gave them the cash. Uh, you technically only have to get half of it for deposit, and then you just give them the other half, and they'll give you the information. 
Um, I'm a Dave Ramsey guy. I don't like playing the whole I still owe you money thing. So we actually waited a little bit before we actually got the the info. I kind of held this up just so they had all their cash. Mm. So there was nothing they could they could go back on and not give us what we wanted. Uh, they did end up giving us a refund of like two, three hundred bucks, which means they they overshot that estimate big time. Hmm. Um, but they gave us our info. Um, it even had a list of the names of the officers, which I was not expecting, but I was like, hey, I'll take it, right? Um, and then as we've gone through this, like, I haven't finished this. Amber hasn't finished this. I had a friend who, uh, he's a journalist. He couldn't even get through all the stuff. All right. I think we're at like 17, 18 names and we're just like, oh my God. You know, because it just, it keeps getting worse. Like, let me pull up the little document I have. So, so far, and I need to jump back on this, I've analyzed 18, uh, not 18, 28 names out of 344. I know, I'm procrastinating. But just out of 28, we have a total police officer, the total number of police officers with three or more offenses is 12. That's almost half. Total police officers with more than three incidences, which means three separate occurrences, that's six, which is about a quarter so far. Total police with five or more offenses is 10. Total police with five or more incidences, that's three. Total number of officers with serious offenses, that's 12 again. Total number of serious offenses by officers, that's 38. Total number of serious incidents, which we're still in. Um, I'm dumbfounded because it's like every single officer we used to. I was expecting like most of it to be like, oh, this person was late this one time, or you know, this new officer, you know, didn't really understand the the, the yeah. procedure, messed it up. He got you know, he got or something. Yeah, no, no, that is not what this is at all. All right, um. I do want to do another one where they tell us exactly because I don't think we we included this. We should have. Um, I want to know what the disciplinary repercussions for any of this was because these are all officers. So I'm going to be clear: these are all officers that still currently work for Fort Worth Police Department. They are still employed. They did not get fired. So, uh, so right. the so again, just to kind of to frame it, so you said there's about about 1,100 ish officers on the force right now and of those there's 338 that you said that are in this report oh yeah yeah and this that's like a quarter more than a quarter of the officers on the force yeah and these aren't these aren't like you know small offenses these are like big offenses for some reason they they like to drink and they like to have a lot of sex on duty i don't know what it is texas bro (laughs) sorry it's a it's a little unacceptable um, for me, especially when you look at like oh anything involving rape, like how we de- how police handle that. They, these are the people that are supposed to be dealing with those cases, right? Which is already it's it's abysmal handling. But it's like, are they part of the solution? Part of the problem here, you know? Um, 
Yeah, that's an excellent question. (laughs) Because uh, one thing that I found out like in school is that um, like, I I don't know how many states total. I want to say it's like 27 states. It's not illegal for officers to have sex with a person in their custody. And Texas is one of those states. And so it's one of those situations where it's like, well, there's not a law that says that they can't have sex with a person that they've detained. Um, and officers at, you know, obviously I'm not saying this to all officers, you know, this is not every single officer. It's just some officers will go ahead and do it, you know? Yeah. And, then, again, um, and this that's is insane to me. Our, our, all, I mean, I, I think I, I can speak for all of us. It, it, our issues with all of this is systemic. Like we're not here having this conversation to talk about any particular officer and how they're a bad person or whatever. We're here to talk about how these things are allowed and in some cases encouraged by the current system. And so yes. this is, that's why we're having this whole conversation is so we can see how bad is the system really? Like what are the real problems here? And I think we're over the past hour or so, we've already illustrated yeah. a bunch of terrible problems with our system. Yeah. Like, honestly, I didn't, I didn't even start looking at these issues seriously until last year. And I, I always thought it'd be like, okay, well, I'm gonna look at it and it's gonna be like a lot of other things where it's not as bad, but no, it's like, it's worse than what they're saying. Yeah, and then you look closer, and it's even worse. And you look closer, and it's even it just it's just this long rabbit hole of terrible. This is crazy. Does the not, report not um, does it list like? Well, I mean, they're all still employed, so there's that. Um, does it list like disciplinary measures taken? That's what he was wondering. No, that's one of the things we're going to be doing a FOIA request for pretty soon. Because right, that's I, separate. I we have to move more money. Perfect. Yeah, and then we're gonna have to sit down and organize what we already have because mm-hmm. they literally just gave us a number of officers and a list of what the offenses were. Our, yeah. That is it. I mean, Amber, I remember when you were kind of digging through it earlier in the week. Didn't you say that there were like multiple officers with like dozens of infractions or something? Or like, yeah, I was trying to analyze it like by like number of infractions, and I want to say that like there was an officer that had like twenty something infractions. And a lot of the infractions, uh, you know, because it's an incident report, like some of the incidents are car accidents because officers get into car accidents. They drive around all day. Yeah. Pretty normal. Um, But there was like some like multiple officers that had like 10, 12, 15, up to like 24 infractions. And and it was like the more off, like the more infractions they had, like the more serious the infractions were, you know what I mean? Um, so like those were the people that had like excessive use of force, like um, they had it multiple you know, times, which yeah, like, like I, the kinds I, of incidents we've been talking about. I bring yeah. that up because even though we don't know what punishments were given out, I think it's safe mm-hmm. to assume that whatever punishment was wasn't good enough, right? Or didn't didn't right. do anything. <laughs> if these people yeah, are repeating we don't have the same sufficient um, like incident intervention, like like early intervention um, with things like that so like it's right it's, yeah like once you're mm-hmm. once you get away with something or you or your punishment isn't mm-hmm. isn't good enough then you're like oh well yeah. i did that and i'm still here yep and it's it's easy to you know get on a pair power trip or mm-hmm. get used to a certain standard of behavior um when that is entirely allowed yeah yeah and it's there was there's that one incident where it was like an officer. Remember Thomas? The, there was like one officer who's um, it like 
obviously like had to be the same person, but they were like entered yeah. in to the system like two different ways. So like it was like first time it was like first name, last name. And both incidents were like different like abuses of power and excessive use of force. Yeah. But like the second one, it was like first letter of the name, but then like you know, like it didn't have like the full name. So it was like really weird. I mean it could have yeah. just been an error, but like nobody else had been entered like like that. Differently. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing uh that uh was brought to my attention. Um we don't have sufficient training, obviously, but we also don't have sufficient oversight. Right. And a lot of times what you're seeing is, you know, it's not that the police officers don't want to reprimand these officers. Is that because of the unions or the union they can't mm-hmm. um and like there was one incident where i think um, a couple of officers were banging prostitutes right like literally they was they was getting it and uh their supervisor tried to stop a man trying to make make it sound like it was a sergeant's idea and then uh one of them when they tried to fire him he threatened to sue and he's like hey i'll drop the suit if you let me keep my job and they're like cool you know, another one, um, I strongly suspect has really strong ties. Uh, I know that he's related to at least one superior officer, but he had like a ridiculous amount of offenses. Um, he also has the same last name of the current uh president for the Fort Worth Police Officers Association. Oh, wow. I don't know if they're related, but I would strongly doubt that they aren't. Because this dude has like, this guy had a lot of infractions even for Fort Worth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like yeah. it's a little. I'm like, yeah. That, like get him out of there. This is. Yeah. You're not helping anyone by keeping him there. Yeah, and wasn't there wasn't there one case where an officer had been charged with burglary of a habitation? Like, I remember there was one officer that had, like, been charged with, like, burglarizing someone's home. Still employed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Still there. What? Yep. What? Didn't this is crazy. <laughs> I mean, like, I know they hurt people, and so I shouldn't be surprised at, like, the burglary, but, like. I don't know why that one really got to me, too. I was, like, like. I, I just don't. Like, that I mean, one, like, got under my skin. As someone who's worked service industry jobs, like, all over the place, like, grocery store jobs, like. There's no way you're ever going to remain employed if you do any of that stuff. Like, any of those things. Mm -hmm. Like, and these are the people who are supposed to be like, this is the most serious job, right? Like, they're supposed to take care of us and protect us. It's better. So, in the state of Texas, um, if you get fired from a police department, you get a job somewhere else. But also, if you have criminal charges, just in case that qualified immunity doesn't work, you can you can you can resign and give up your badge, delicense yourself, and you don't get any criminal uh, wow. charges. Yeah, wow. that's actually the number one way that cops get their license in Texas. They just resign, and then there's no punishment. Yeah, they give up their badge. They're like, cool. <sighs> Which you know, it has to be really bad for like qualified immunity not to kick in. Like, there's so many things that protect cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it had to be like, <sighs> yeah. So Thomas, when since you're still going through all of this data, would you want to do once we once you're done? Would you want to do an episode on that? Kind of talk about the whole oh, thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. We should totally. Might need some help. It's a lot of things, but yeah. Yeah. It, I got you. 
Yeah, I'll help. I'll help you too if I, if I got time. I can. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that, or like the biggest thing that I've learned from this entire episode, going over all this information, is um, wow, we have so much to talk about. Yeah. And a lot of work to do. And a lot of work to do. Yeah. So I guess I think that that should be like one of one of our main questions for um for the police chief candidates is just like what like let's start with what your view is let's start with if you've read the report by uh i don't remember the names doctors um bowman and del carmen thank you based um, doctors bowman and del carmen. <laughs> yeah like let's start with if you've read that and then follow up with your opinions mm -hmm. and then follow up with what you are going to do about it. Yeah. Like, oh. So I guess to, to continue us moving on, we we're already going a little long. I'll try and get through this pretty quick. Uh, I just wanted to briefly kind of do some quick hits of some relatively recent news articles about Fort Worth PD. One of them is about Keller PD. Um, and I, I chose to pick ones that were particular, that like reached outside of our community and were, became stories. Uh, elsewhere. And so the first one is a, a uh, article that was published in The Guardian, which is a UK publication. And it was published on December 8th. And when I was reading this, I actually got confused. This incident happened in May. But obviously, there was so much going on in, you know, towards the end of May, this probably just got buried. Uh, and so when I was reading, it, I was like, wait, this happened months ago. But this article was published now because nothing's been done or changed since this incident. So what happened was, there was a black couple, uh, Nelda Price and her husband, John. I'm just going to read from the article because this article is like really well written. Um, While the police in Fort Worth, Texas, ransacked Nelda Price's home, an officer directed her to put her hands together as if she were praying so he could restrain her with zip ties. I told him I am praying because I don't understand why you're here and I don't know what this is about, Nelda told The Guardian. On March 11th, she and her husband, John, both black and in their late 60s, had been chatting in the dining room, dressed for bed. When a noise interrupted them, Nelda's first instinct was to get up and investigate, but after John thought he heard gunshots, he pushed her to the floor. By the time they looked up, Fort Worth police had already broken through their iron gate and were storming through the front door, guns drawn. Without any explanations, the officers demanded that John and Nelda put their hands up and took them outside for questioning. The traumatic, in a traumatic spectacle that lasted hours, about 20 or 30 policemen loudly tore through the Price's belongings as emergency vehicles swarmed the block. The elderly couple waited outdoors in their pajamas and nightgown after asking several times. Nelda was finally allowed to grab a sweater. It was like a nightmare, she said. You just don't expect something like that to happen. No one would answer any of the Price's questions about what was happening, even as several officers pointed out red flags that their colleagues had targeted the wrong people. Police refused Nelda's pleas for John's medication until his blood pressure spiked so high that they called an ambulance. Once Nelda and John were allowed back inside, they discovered a search warrant lying on the dining room table, allegedly connecting them to methamphetamines and narcotics trafficking. We simply don't know why Fort Worth PD got things so terribly wrong. We only know that they did, said Kay Van Wee, a personal injury trial lawyer representing Nelda in her lawsuit against the city. Fort Worth police... Uh, have refused to provide Van Way with the underlying basis for a no-knock search warrant against the prices and told The Guardian that they could not comment on pending current litigation. Uh, unlawful detention, excessive force, and violations of the prices' constitutional rights all factored in the devastating incident last March, the suit alleges. 
representing another example in a litany of high-profile tragedies that have underscored the department's record of racial profiling and bias-based policing. The department has faced widespread condemnation for years because of police brutality against minority communities. This is the UK talking about Fort Worth. We've certainly contended that it was not a product of an individual's behavior, but rather the product of a systemic, structural, and institutional racism, Van Way said. Almost a decade ago, Fort Worth officer John Romer fatally shot disabled father, I'm going to get this wrong, Cheryl Rara Thomas, as Thomas's children watched. Romer was only fired in 2019 after being convicted of aggregated, aggregated, I'm sorry, aggravated perjury in connection to a separate beating of a young black man. In 2015, Officer Courtney Johnson, who later resigned, resigned, there you go, right on up. Uh, accidentally shot and injured Gregory Adams, a man with mental health issues who carefully dropped to one knee as Johnson approached him. I remember that. The following year, when Jacqueline Craig called Fort Worth police officer for help because a neighbor had choked her young son, Officer William Martin violently arrested her and her teenage daughters instead. After Dorshay Morris reported a domestic disturbance involving her boyfriend in 2017, police tasered her to the ground and shackled her in handcuffs. Then, last year, a Tatiana Jefferson became the sixth person killed by Fort Worth PD in the matter of months when Aaron Dean shot her through, shot her, through her window while she was babysitting her eight-year-old nephew. Community members believe that Fort Worth is doing little or nothing to improve race relations, racial equity, and cultural awareness, the city council's task force on race and culture wrote in a 2018 report. African-Americans represented 41% of all arrests in 2016 and 2017, despite only accounting for 19% of the city's population. And it goes on and on and on, but I thought they did a really good job of recapping in just a couple of paragraphs, like the recent history of Fort Worth PD and their excessive uses of force and poor judgment. Um, so I encourage people to go read the rest of this article. Uh, it, again, it'll be located in the show notes. Uh, after, so that happened you know, earlier in the year. Actually, it happened in March. I think I said May earlier. It happened in March. But that article was published recently because the city and the police department still hasn't explained why that happened. Uh, and then I, another thing, this isn't nearly as egregious, but I wanted to bring it up and kind of use it as, a, a, as an opportunity just to kind of maybe talk about something. So uh, on December 10th here last month, Fort Worth, uh, a police lieutenant, I'm not going to name the officer, but uh, there was a lieutenant, a Fort Worth PD lieutenant who was arrested um, because he had fallen asleep in his truck picking up his son from school and he was drunk and he passed out. And so they uh, found him and the, there was no incident. They just took him to the jail. But just the fact that... That is, that is one thing. Say it again? I was going to say that is one thing. Oh, that is one thing I found in my report. That we had a lot of cases of uh, officers being found drunk off duty. Mm-hmm. So that common thing in fort worth yep and so this guy this guy was too he was he was in uh grapevine when he got arrested because he was off duty um but just the fact that it was a lieutenant like this wasn't just some fresh officer or something this is a guy who was pretty high up in the force and this and this happened he so you know that's that's another thing obviously we're all experiencing emotional issues right now because of the pandemic this past year has been stressful for everybody so i don't want to indict an individual for struggling with alcohol but use it more as an indictment of the fourth pd as a whole like look this is this is happening here it's the system yeah they're um, not getting the support they need and they have to cope because it's still it's still a stressful job you know absolutely they, they don't have the system, so it's gonna it's gonna manifest in really bad ways 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, of, of any population who needs that help more, I mean, you could argue police officers need that assistance and that help maybe more than yeah. anybody do. Um, yeah. And then, and then another recent one. Uh, and this, again, not as egregious, but I want to bring it up. On October, October 2nd, uh, a Fort Worth police officer was fired uh, for sharing a racist post on Facebook, a, a white supremacist post on Facebook. So I just wanted to use that as an opportunity to remind people that there are ties between white supremacy and police departments. Uh, there have been for over a century and that, that ever since the implementation of policing as an institution in the United States. Yes. So the FBI has a protocol for that. That's how, that's how common it is. There you go. That's a great point. It just highlights too, like how, how the police department like will fire somebody for that, for, for being public about that. But that man like the the officer previously who killed somebody like couldn't even be fired for that they had to get him for lying about another incident yep yes like, and and all like all the people on that report are still employed like so it's just such a like oh you you made you made us look bad on facebook yeah. so Publi- you made us look bad publicly can't work here anymore yeah that's a really when, good point christy yeah yeah like it's ugh. So I feel sick. Yeah. Right. Well, thankfully, they, at least they this, fired him. Obviously, they should have fired all of these other people for way worse things, but they did that. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. the most recent one, and this actually isn't about Fort Worth Police Department, but it happened in Tarrant County. So I, I felt like it was still pertinent. Uh, a, a Keller man uh, is suing the police department after being pepper sprayed while filming his son's arrest. And it was an article that was published in the New York Times uh, on. December 27th, so not even a week ago. And it's bad, man. I'll put the article up there. And in the article, they link to the uh, actual video. Yeah, the camera footage, the off of the body cam. And so I'll put a link to that as well. It's infuriating. Uh, Yeah. And this this guy is kind of embodying all of the problems that we talked about earlier in the episode that are kind of condoned or just overlooked, you know, by whatever regulatory bodies or the department itself. Uh, And this guy is just, you know, comes in hot immediately starts accusing people of things that they didn't do uh puts you know this kid in handcuffs for rolling his window up tells the kid it's actually illegal to roll your window up when a police officer approaches your car which it's not yeah but didn't even roll it all the way up it was like down by like three inches and the officer i mean you can't tell if the officer is wearing a mask or not but like the kid's not wearing a mask because he's alone in his vehicle so like he could have been rolling his window back up to like try to protect the officer, like, because we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic, you know, like, yeah. but that's not even like taken into consideration at all. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So essentially, he all starts right. arresting right. that young man, and they're in a really nice neighborhood in Keller. If you look around, like, it's a pretty, pretty nice place. This isn't like it's a, an affluent area. It's an affluent. That's a good way to put it. A affluent neighborhood, and this is a young Latino gentleman. And his dad is across the street in his truck, probably in front of their house, which looks like he's just parked in front of his house. And his dad starts filming and the cop doesn't appreciate that and tells him he's going to arrest his dad for blocking the street uh, and tells his dad to move his truck and park. So the guy does move his truck, park gets out and keeps filming and then uh, backup arrives. And the dude, the dude who initiated this whole thing was a sergeant. So when the backup came, he, he was uh, just an officer. So he told he arrest that guy. 
And so, and the guy's like, arrest me for what? And he's like, for obstructing traffic or whatever it is. It's in the video. So then that officer goes and arrests this guy and he starts resisting. So Sergeant leaves the young man there and then goes across the street to his father to assist in arresting him for nothing. And then they pepper spray him. And the whole thing's just a, just a, you know, inf- just like all of these videos where you watch police just be assholes. Like it's the same thing here. Um, so. And then the neighbor, the neighbor was my favorite part of the video. Oh, sorry, Thomas, go on. Have you noticed with all these racial cases that a lot of times they're victimizing the parents in front of the children? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like they killed George Floyd in front of his kid. They shot Jacob Blake in front of his kid. They, they shot a Tatiana in front of her nephew. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, again, if going back to trust, and trusting in, in, in an institution or trusting in a department, uh, mm-hmm. those kids are never going to trust police after something like that. Yeah. Right? That was even addressed in um, in the Del Carmen Bowman or Bowman Del Carmen report um, because they talk about, like, towards the end, about like how there needs, like, you know, like repairing the relationship between Fort Worth PD and the community. And um, they talk about how there needs to be like more community engagement and like community needs to be involved in um, developing police policies, like particularly around use of force. And so they're like talking about how there needs to be like more community meetings, um, particularly in communities of color. And they say specifically that when the officers arrive for these meetings, they need to wear their normal street clothes. Do not wear your uniform. Because being there in a uniform can bring up traumatic memories for individuals in yeah. the community who have been harassed, abused by Fort Worth PD. And so, like, even in this expert panel that has been hired, um, you know, to like evaluate it and make recommendations, are like acknowledging that this is such a huge problem that like people really have trauma associated with officers from. You know, situations of like watching your mom get arrested or watching your mom, you know, God forbid your mom get the shit out of them, like by an officer in some instances. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't have the specifics in front of me, but I remember reading about um, when a Tatiana Jefferson uh, was murdered. Um, you know, it was a it was a police incident. You know, there were there were follow up uh you know officials um uh, taking care like they're at the scene um you know following the aftermath of that um and like her nephew who was eight like received like no like very minimal attention like they didn't even let um they didn't even like call his family until they had already like questioned him about the situation like he just he watched his aunt be shot we should have had it and they did not call an advocate until they until the police had questioned him and and they had all their all their stuff done all their all their eyes dotted thomas i muted you and i'm trying to unmute you okay there we go you're good sorry my bad for anyone listening the fifth amendment Amendment is your friend because that is one of the things cops will com- will commonly do. Their job is actually to take you to a prosecutor and build a case. All right, use the Fifth Amendment and you keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot they can do, and that's perfectly within your rights. 
which is kind of yeah. back mm -hmm. to the thing. The guy, the reason the guy he claimed he was rolling up his window in the first place is because he was told, and he was told accurately, mm -hmm. that he is allowed to crack his window and just slide his ID and his insurance through the window. It doesn't have to say anything to the officer, which is true. But the officer told him, no, you have to, you, you're, you're, you're being suspicious by doing that and tried to justify that it was escalating the situation by rolling his window up. And it's not illegal for police to lie to people. About, yeah, that's uh, that's about, another good point. Like, <laughs> like they can just lie to they you lie about you. whatever they want no. to. Like, it's not illegal for them to lie to you. Um, yeah. But I was going to say, like, in that video, um, the neighbor, you know, because, like, that he says, like, like this is what are you doing like this is my friend like as they're like subduing the dad like different cop trainers to do this guy and the neighbor comes out and the neighbor is like a white gentleman probably i don't know it's hard you don't get like a clear vision of his face but like if i had to guess i'd say like 60 70 something and he comes out with his phone probably iphone you know like and he starts recording the incident on his phone because he sees his friend like getting attacked like attacked by the police or whatever and then and he starts like 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 questioning please like what are you doing like what did he do like that's my friend like that this is so unnecessary and the guy that's like being attacked is like you guys are acting you know like really inappropriately like there's no reason for you to be treating me like this way you know he's just like you know he's trying to de-escalate but like the cops are not right um they're trying to escalate and so the neighbors like ask him all these questions and like after you know they like get him arrested or whatever the neighbor's like what is wrong with you guys like what are y'all doing y'all are just y'all are a bunch of nut jobs and then he's like um and then at the end he like started like this old man is like you know just like kind of talking trash to the cops and then he's like and then at the end, he calls the cop. He says, "Like, um, he's like, what are you doing, boy? Yeah, like, like, what's wrong uh, with you, young man? Why are yeah. you acting this way, young man, boy? Yeah, like, boy, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, calls the cop, boy. Which was and funny to me because you can't see the officer's face. So I, I wonder how young he, he, he has kind of a deep voice. So I didn't think I was thought maybe he was in his thirties or something. But maybe he was like twenty one or something. Maybe he was a boy. Since I don't know." You know, who knows? But yeah, I, I don't know. Actually, I mean, it, it, yeah, I'm not for sure. But I just thought that was like really funny because, you know, like most people think of like, like old white men are like upholding the system and like blah, blah, blah. But this dude comes out and he's like, I'm going to record y'all misconduct and I'm going to talk smack to you because I'm an old white man and I can do that. And interestingly, <laughs> they didn't try to arrest him. Or call yeah, him out or him. tell him to move. Like they did tell they told him to move to the corner, but he didn't and they didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, he says, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but they told him, the other like, dad to move, you know, and they did try to arrest him. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was standing his ground, as is his right in Texas. <laughs> so yeah. So that all of that will be in the show notes if you want to do your own research and kind of check out that stuff. So that's just some recent mm -hmm. quick hits of uh local PD bad stuff yeah but one of the things that i want to point out about about this killer incident is that um you know like like police misconduct while obviously um and infuriatingly Im impacts communities of color and um particularly like historically minority neighborhoods you know my like super majority my minority neighborhoods um you know like like this can happen anywhere like this can happen in your neighborhood 
you know, yeah, um, although the focus has, you know, appropriately been on, you know, how people of color are disproportionately impacted by um, police misuse of authority and abused by police, um, and we should be having this conversation, we can't forget that this could happen to any of us, um, even if you're a white person, and even if you're in an affluent community, um, because police act with impunity, and they are in many situations above approach, you know, so like, I think it's just important to like keep that in mind because I feel like a lot of people are under the misconception because they've been following everything that's happening. Um, a lot of white people are like, oh, I'm white. The cops are never going to come for me. Um, and that that's that's not true. And it doesn't yeah. benefit us to pretend like that's the case Absolutely. because, um, you know, they 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 will attack. And I wanted to mention too, like, as I was looking at, um, you know, as I was watching the video with, um, uh, with the dad and son and Keller, it reminded me of the case in, uh, I think it was in Minnesota, um, Justine Diamond, uh, which happened in, I think, in like 2017. It was a yoga instructor who was in a nice neighborhood, but I would assume to be like a suburban community, um, probably uh, majority white. Um, she was a yoga instructor. She was a white woman, and she had been sexually assaulted in her home. And she called the cops um to come because she had been sexually assaulted she wanted to file a report which is extremely difficult to do as a woman in that situation but she was being brave and was like i'm gonna report this person um and so she calls the cops she's like waiting on her front porch for the cops to arrive it's nighttime the cop pulls up in front of her house and he doesn't get out of the car so she goes up to the car and she puts her hand on the back of the vehicle and the cop jumps out of his car and shoots her and she died. He shot her in front of her home, a victim of sexual assault who called the cops. She called the cops for help and they shot her dead. And then the cop tried to say that she had slapped the back of his vehicle and tried to blame it on her and that he that was okay. for his life and shoots her. And that was his, that was his excuse. So it doesn't matter you know, all the time, you know, if you're a white person, you're not necessarily going to be protected by your people in every situation. And so, you know, police brutality it does, it, it's a conversation that we all need to be having. And we all need to be Absolutely. Well, let's wrap this yeah, up. Because regardless, the, the police still, like you said, act with impunity, like, like, nothing nothing like nothing changes that no so let's go ahead and wrap this up and kind of use all of this that we talked about to um go into what our next episode is going to be and what where fort worth is headed as far as its police department is concerned because our chief is retiring is he now that it's january is he out is, okay um so there are how many candidates six different candidates that are running or that are yeah, yeah. And, uh, narrowed it down to to it a short list of six and then they're gonna have a, a, a city meeting what is it next tuesday what is the date of it christy do you remember it's the 12th the 12th okay it's a thursday i believe okay but the meeting was actually on the 14th um am i wrong about that oh, wait the 12th is a tuesday oh no no sorry you're right the so there's the a um a city council meeting on the 12th and then the the police chief meeting is on the 14th yes so they are inviting um, community members to attend the meeting. I believe it's 
being held in that uh, you can probably attend it online, I'm sure, but they are going to hold it in person, I think, at the convention center. Yeah. And they are taking questions from community members. So if you, um, so, you know, we've been asking for the community in these conversations and in these processes. And so they're, they're following through on their part and um, are asking for our input. So you have questions that you want to be asked to the um to the officer or the candidate um you know regarding how they might um you know how they might operate as uh as a place like what some of their values are like do they no knock warrants do they not support no knock warrants you know like um think about you know questions that you have and you can submit them to be asked during the panel and i believe those um those questions are due by january 9th get ours ready submit them yeah i've started awesome well good job everybody thank you very much for joining us everyone who's listening and still here thanks for sticking around and